Hello, I'm Justin Bibby. I'm an Assistant Chief Constable at Staffordshire Police. Thanks for downloading this episode of The Beat podcast, a discussion focusing on police and crime prevention in Staffordshire. To learn more about the topics discussed in the podcast, please visit the Staffordshire Police website or get in touch with us via Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Alternatively, you can contact us by email at thebeatpodcast at staffordshire.pnn.police.uk. There'll be opportunities for you to get involved and ask questions, but please remember that our inboxes are not constantly monitored and that the Beat podcast is not a suitable place to report information about crime or safety concerns. As always, you can do that by calling 999 or 101 or contacting us via our digital channels and social media. Hello, Staffordshire Police. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Beat Podcast by Staffordshire Police. I'm Tom Bushell and for today's episode we're revisiting the topic of domestic abuse. A few episodes ago we spoke with two people who faced the brutal impact of domestic violence whilst in today's episode we'll be focusing on the work of police and local charities in keeping victims safe. I'm joined by Detective Inspector Vic Ison from Staffordshire Police's safeguarding team and Sarah Buckley from local charity Glow. Thank you both for joining me. Firstly, Vic, can you talk to me a little bit about how Staffordshire Police looks to deal with domestic abuse and how challenging that can be for your team? Yes, I can. Um, Staffordshire Police aim to deal with domestic abuse positively and proactively as well. We recognise that um, domestic abuse affects all, all backgrounds. Um, it doesn't discriminate. There's domestic abuse in homes across the country. and Really, we want to equip our officers to realise that where domestic abuse is concerned, obviously we do need to take into consideration the views of the victims, and we do do that. However, we also need to stop perpetrators in their tracks, and we need to be positive in our dealings with perpetrators. Um, I'm sure that my colleagues from GLOW will support me on this in terms of the fact that um, victims need that support from the police sometimes they feel that they want the police to take the lead and often we find that actually arresting a perpetrator uh, taking them away from the home address and giving victims that breathing space is is the right approach that's not to say that it's always the right approach but at times it is and that just gives um our our partners, such as GLOW, the opportunity to to get in there and to assist the victim and offer that support. Brilliant. Thanks, Vic. And, and Sarah, same question to you and just kind of adding to what Vic has mentioned there. What sort of role do you, do you play and how do you go about dealing with this sort of thing if, if someone comes to you? Um, I think like Vic said, it's about taking each case on a case-by-case case basis. Everybody's obviously different and everybody's at different points on the journey. So, you know, for, for us, quite often a victim can make several attempts to contact us. And the first time it might actually just be to talk to us or to have an informal chat about it. At that point, they might not actually want to do anything about it at that point. Um they could be repeat callers that have called and called and called and are now at the point where they're ready to do something. 
um, about it. And it's about us, you know, um, aiding with their self-esteem and confidence um, to enable them to, um, you know, contact the police perhaps in the first place uh, and to pursue that line, really, because uh, a lot of people can be fearful of the repercussions of, you know, ringing the police in the first place. And Sarah, just on that point you made last about people being slightly maybe wary of contacting the police initially, what sort of points would you like to put across to those people to say, actually, the police are there to help 100%? Um, absolutely. I mean, a lot of the work uh, that we do can include joint visits. It can include, um, you know, it's, it's about bridging that gap between, you know, that first initial disclosure and the police. So quite often we'll do joint visits with the police to, you know, help victims have their opportunity to talk and feel supported during that period. Because especially when they first talk to police, they might think that they forget things. There might be bits they miss. They might, uh, you know, they can be so engrossed in the situation they don't understand what's going to happen next either. So I think it's about that working together and helping victims see that, you know, the police are there um, to support them and to help them on their journey of recovery, basically, or through a prosecution service. Brilliant. And Vic, in your investigations, when you look into, you know, a case like this, a case of domestic abuse, um, when do you start to look for the support of charities like GLOW? From the outset, to be honest, um, they're integral because we, we appreciate that not everybody wants to uh, support a prosecution against a partner and we're clued into the reasons why and as Sarah's just said everybody is on a journey um, who is a victim of domestic abuse and it might not be their time that and, and this time may never come that they actually want to support a police prosecution, but the the, the um, charities and organisations such as GLOW come in at the point where they're sort of strengthening that victim and giving them that resolve to realise this is not the life that I want for me. This is not the life that I want for my children. And at the end of the day, we share a common goal that we just want that domestic abuse to stop. And we're not saying that the end result is um, that the perpetrator is prosecuted. Um, obviously, we want people to be prosecuted, but we just want the abuse to stop. And whether that is done through prosecution or whether that is done through um, the, the victim being empowered and um, given that support to leave the situation, um, we're happy either way. So that's that's a very important point to note, really, isn't it, Vic? That actually your main concern, first and foremost, as a police officer, is the safety of the victim and to ensure that what has been going on stops. Yes, definitely. I mean, speaking from a, a personal perspective, I've got a, a friend who um, came to me to disclose some domestic abuse to me. Um, she had had call outs from the police, but she was quite steadfast in, in the fact that she didn't want um, any prosecution against her partner. But I was able to put her in contact with um, domestic abuse organisations and she just cannot sort of credit them enough for the support that they've provided and she's now out of that situation um, and a prosecution wouldn't necessarily 
have provided her with the with the confidence, the know-how to to sort of get herself out of that situation. So that's where support agencies are absolutely uh, imperative in in making stronger victims, really, and and victims that won't stand for domestic abuse anymore. Brilliant. And, and Sarah, do you, do you agree with with Vic on that in terms of that? Sometimes, although it's important to report to the police that actually a road of prosecution isn't necessarily what what all victims want. Absolutely. And especially where there's perhaps other factors that impact that, such as children, um, you know, other controlling factors that have been used throughout the relationship. Uh, Many victims uh, will feel like they they don't want to go that far. They, They just want it to end, you know, and that could be that they go into a refuge, into a safe space. Like Vic said, they end that relationship. Uh, they contact service providers out there to um, assist and support and advice. You know, not everybody wants to pursue that criminal system, really. Precisely. And when you work with the police, how important is that partnership work from your perspective when actually people do want to go ahead with that path? I think the working with the police is the most important part. And obviously, over the years, there's been a massive upshift in, you know, frontline staff training, both for police officers and for um, staff across various other services in, you know, responding to victims of domestic abuse and being aware of, of you know, the the type of language and things to, to use with, um, you know, victims and perpetrators of domestic abuse. And it's absolutely vital that we work together, you know, that sharing of information as well. You know, quite often some people have a little bit of the puzzle and some people have a little bit more of the puzzle. And it's about joining all that up to create a bigger picture so that, you know, in the instance that the victim does want to uh, pursue prosecution, then they've got this, you know, um, whole wrath of information rather than little bits of information here, there and everywhere. And Vic, I'll, I'll say the same question to you. You know, from a policing side, this partnership work with local charities, with local partners such as Glow is is absolutely vital, isn't it? Yeah, it's definitely vital. And I second what Sarah says about everybody bringing something different to the table and um, a little piece of the puzzle to build that that full picture. Um, we see we see that a lot, obviously, um, we're police officers. A lot of the time when we are in contact with victims, we're wearing uniforms um, that can, we recognise, be a bit of a barrier. We know that um, victims will disclose more um, sometimes to um, charities and organisations such as GLOW. So when we all come together, um, which we do, we we have got that that fuller picture, that richer picture, and we're able ultimately to support the victim better. And not only that, we're we're able to tackle the perpetrator better and improve the lives of the victim and the victim's children. And Vic, I think it's quite important to note that obviously domestic abuse and the policing of it, it has grown exponentially in, in recent years. I think you could probably go back 20, 30 years and, and things might have been very different to how um, the police would have dealt with a domestic abuse case. Um, how has it changed in the time you've been an officer and been involved in this sort of thing? And, and how, in your opinion, has policing progressed to be able to help people who are victims of domestic abuse today? So um, when I joined uh, Staffordshire Police, which 
trying to, it's coming up for nearly 17 years. Um, I was early 20s and I can remember going to um, a domestic abuse incident and the lady there had got blood all over her face and we basically went in and she said, I don't want anything doing. And I can remember it struck me and I thought, this surely can't be right. Um, shortly after I joined, um, our policy changed significantly and uh, positive action came in. So we've come a massively long way. There's still a lot to do. I feel that we need to focus more on, on perpetrators in terms of, of stopping them and controlling them and, and their behaviour um, because it takes a lot on the part of the victim to always provide a complaint or support a complaint. Um, we need to look wider and we need to look at um, all the other factors that can, that can prove a case against a perpetrator. And, and Vic, you mentioned the, um, the phrase positive action. For, for those who may not quite understand what that entails, what that means, can you just briefly explain that, please? Yeah, so our first policy will say that officers attending uh, the scene of a domestic incident need to take positive action. So what that looks like can be a whole host of things. But generally, we would look at where a crime has been committed, um, the decision to arrest, um, and the decision not to arrest needs to be um, defensible, basically. So if somebody went to an incident like the one I described um, when I first started talking and um, there was no arrest off the back of that, for example, the officer would kneel, really have to provide strong reasoning and rationale why that wasn't wasn't the case, because at the end of the day, we've, we've got suspicion that a crime has been committed We've got suspicion of who the offender is. So why aren't we taking that person away and giving that victim some breathing space um, to consider their options, consider if they want to make a complaint and ultimately safeguard that victim and that victim's children's children. So so positive action really is is safeguarding that victim um, through whatever means. An arrest is, is, is one of those means and, in my opinion, one of the most important um, factors where we, we've got evidence that a crime has been committed. And Sarah, GLOW will speak to countless victims of domestic abuse and will obviously know a lot about their experiences. From a GLOW's perspective and from the perspective of the victims you speak to, have you seen that positive change from police over the last 20, 20, 30 years? Oh God, absolutely. And particularly when it comes to as well, male victim domestic abuse as well. You know, there used to be a massive um, delay there where, uh, you know, they were, males would perhaps automatically be uh, linked to being the perpetrator in the situation. Uh, and we've come on leaps and bounds now in terms of recognising perhaps what's going on, asking more direct questions about what's going on. And I've seen some amazing um, policing where they've removed uh, people from the situation just to ask those questions. Because, you know, 20 years ago, you perhaps would have had those questions while both potential victim and perpetrator were sat in the same room you know, so you're not actually going to get the, the information that you want, whereas now we've got police that would remove someone to the car or remove someone to another room and and ask those questions perhaps more directly and, and not be afraid of asking those questions directly. So we, we're getting far more um, in terms of the bigger picture. 
through through that. So I I think it's come on leaps and bounds, particularly in our, our male victims now being believed when it comes to you know um, and trusting the police. And just on that male victim point, Vic. We spoke a couple of weeks ago to a male victim. He shared his story with us on on this podcast and was saying how when the abuse first started, he found it very difficult to come forward to the police. This was this was almost 20, 30 years ago now. Um, but then when he went the second time, he noticed a huge positive change for, for Obviously, I think the majority of, of domestic abuse victims are are obviously women, but for for men, it, it can be very difficult to come forward. But policing has learned a lot, and I think society has learned a lot from that, hasn't it? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, it, it's not just it's not just women who are are victims. Um, I totally acknowledge the points around it being more difficult for men to potentially acknowledge that there's an issue within the relationship. But yeah, definitely, we do recognise um, in Staffordshire Police that men are victims too. Officers are trained to, um, like Sarah said, take people away from, from the home and ask those questions out of earshot of the perpetrator um, or, or sometimes the victim so we can get a, a real good general assessment of, of what's going on with this relationship um, as opposed to just gender stereotyping and thinking it must be the woman who's the victim. That's not necessarily the case. And Sarah, it's definitely right in saying that victims should feel comfortable in, in coming to either yourself or the police for help if they need it, isn't it? Oh, at- absolutely. And I think, again, even in you know the, the last year that we've had with COVID and and everything else and all the stuff that's happened over the last couple of weeks in terms of you know great exposure to uh, police and gender and all of those kind of issues i think now it's even more pivotal to you know recognize that there are people out there that can help whether that be us you know there's plenty of other amazing charities in uh, we're really fortunate in staffordshire to have quite a group of charities that you know work to help end domestic abuse whether that be us Pathway, New Era, Staffordshire Women's Aid, you know, there's lots of amazing charities out there, lots of amazing police officers, helplines, you know, and I think now it is pivotal. There's loads of um, adverts, loads more um, commercials and stuff. It's been featured on the TV a lot more. And, and I think that's all we can do is keep making sure the message is out there that people aren't on their own, you know, just because we've been in this lockdown for what feels like forever sometimes doesn't mean that, you know, you have to be locked into that, you know, relationship, um, the domestic abuse there. There are plenty of services and plenty of people out there that are, are available to help. It's having that confidence and that trust to pick up the phone in the first place and have that conversation. And Sarah, how can victims start this conversation with yourselves? If, if they decide that they want to go down that charity route first and go to Glow, how do they get in touch and, and how do they look at getting that first step forward? Um, I think it's about it's obviously about reaching out. We have our um, helpline numbers. We've obviously got our refuges here at Glow. We've got our tech services. So we are finding constantly different ways that people can approach us. Uh, you know, but a, a lot of the time it's about speaking to someone and that might not be us, that might not be the police in the first place. That could just be having that conversation with a friend or 
or anybody quite often it's people that you don't expect it to be whether that be a hairdresser or a beautician or whatever you know it's about just starting that that conversation thank you and vic same to you you know what message would you have for a victim who has had that initial chat with 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 a friend that that sarah has just mentioned and is looking to to report to the police what should they do when they pick up the phone in that initial instance well what what i would say is um that there's many ways to to contact us at staffordshire police obviously it's not just picking up the phone we we have social media platforms as well that people can contact us on um but what i would say um on this subject is as a friend of somebody you can still contact the police on their behalf um, and I would sort of urge people during these times of, of lockdown and, and I hope we're coming out of the end of it um, as Sarah said to, to look out for your friends to, to look out for your neighbours and if you do see those changes and you're able to safely have a conversation with them in terms of um, if you do think that they're a victim of domestic abuse try to do that and Try to, if you want to speak to the police, then obviously speak to us. You, you don't have to necessarily be reporting a crime. We are here for advice and we can signpost you onto other agencies such as GLOW or contact contact the likes of GLOW directly uh, because there are amazing charities and organisations that can offer you that support and advice. One such app that I would recommend, um, which can can help people um, in terms of recognising signs of domestic abuse, because let's be honest, it can sometimes be subtle, uh, especially in regard to things like financial abuse or coercion and control. Um, th- there's, a, there's an app called Bright Sky and, and that will, will help you um, or help you, help you as a victim or help you help others. And I think that's really important. It's a societal issue. It's not one that the victim can just tackle by themselves it's something that we we all need to tackle and it's something that shouldn't be taboo because it is so widespread thank you i think that's a very good point to end on actually and um that app bright sky is obviously available for anyone who who needs it and that's all we have time for today so thank you to both vic and sarah for joining me and to you guys for listening at home if you have any questions or any concerns about the issues we've discussed today, then please feel free to give us an email at thebeatpodcast at staffordshire.pnn.police.uk or you can visit the Staffordshire Police website for more information. Thank you both. Thanks for listening to The Beat Podcast produced by Staffordshire Police. To learn more about the topics discussed in the podcast, including sources of help and support, please visit the Staffordshire Police website.